found the Winding Road Podcast, hosted by Jason and Isaac. We're two friends who are sitting in the driveway just chatting about cars over some drinks, while two of our favorite cars are sitting behind us shining in the sun. We never know where the conversation will go, but we hope you join us. Happy Monday, everyone. Welcome back. Uh, today, we are talking anniversary cars or special edition cars. Um, Jason, so the, I thought of this the other day because at work, we currently have a 20th and a uh, 70th anniversary uh, Corvette. Uh, mm-hmm. They're, they're kind of like matching blue. Uh, there was mm-hmm. a post on uh, our Instagram page today of those cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're both kind of my, some of my favorite versions, like generations of the Corvette. Um, okay. I've always liked the C3 that's that I think started in 68 or 69 and went through about 82 uh, or 83 and towards the late 70s early 80s I think they look better mm-hmm. uh, and then of course the 70th anniversary is uh, the current C8 for 2023 um, which I think is a good looking car I like that they went mid-engine um, mm-hmm. and they are almost the same color blue which I think was cool um, which you can see in the photos so um just off of those two what are your thoughts about those two corvettes well i'm looking at i'm looking at it right now and you're right um they're super similar the the older one i guess the 20th anniversary that one looks a little bit darker blue to me i like the older style like the split window okay the c2 yeah like i think that's like a um a classic corvette uh just you know, timeless kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I'm also, I'm struggling lately. I always tour with the idea of, do I get a project car, like a classic, and take it out on weekends and this and that. But then like all these newer cars, you know, with all the creature comforts, quote unquote, and all the new technology and all that stuff, it's like, well, or maybe do you just save and buy like a really nice newer car that does all those things? Okay. So when I look at these two cars, if either one of these were to be given to me, I'd have to go with the newer one, only just mm-hmm. because it's probably really quick. You know, it's got all the bells and whistles on it. I actually saw one the other day. I'm embarrassed to say it, but Kelsey and I were driving. And I was like, oh, look, a McLaren. And it, it was a new Corvette. Okay. And like I saw it go by me, and I was like, "Wow!" I was like, "Well, that, that was actually a Corvette." And I was like, "Wow, I'm, I'm slipping or something's wrong here." Well, and it's very deceptive because they look different than they always have because now they're mid-engine, and so they don't—they have different proportions than we've known them to have for the last seventy years. Yeah, that's true. So I think it's cool. You know, I was trying—if you know—we we discussed anniversary cars and. I was trying to think what what type of anniversary cars am I familiar with. And I also started thinking about like special edition. For me, you know, the prime of my car stuff, I was into Fords. So I always go back to Fords. And I remember like the bubble window Tauruses. They had like a a hundred year anniversary Taurus model. And I don't think it got much love and probably didn't deserve it. But I just remember for some reason that model. Mm-hmm. And also, like something else that comes to mind to me, which I don't know if it's worth it or not, is like the King Ranch Fords, you know, like the pickup mm-hmm. trucks, the King Ranch ones. They have like um, some of the interiors are made, of, like it looks like, like a catcher's mitt. 
almost. Mm-hmm. Which is it's it's just interesting because I'd imagine that you're gonna pay more for these vehicles. Those are the two things that come to my mind. Yeah, so the the hundredth anniversary centennial Fords, you could get that package on most of the models, I think, at the time. I always think of I know they came in like the Mustang and the mm-hmm. basically the, all the all the models, but it was pretty mm-hmm. much just uh, from what I remember, it was they were black. They were only black mm-hmm. because Ford uh, Henry Ford, if you remember, said you can have your car any color you want as long as it's black. Yeah. Um, so they were all black for for the Centennial, and they had like special badging on the fenders. It said hundred years Ford Motor Company and stuff like that. Um, and that was in two thousand. Three. But that was it, though. There wasn't like too much else that went with that. Yeah, it was. It was some different wheels, maybe, or different color wheels. Basically, it was like an appearance package. Like there wasn't anything special about it, and especially like, you know, being that they put it on all their models, and it was pretty much just a different badge. You know, it kind of tells you all you need to know about it. Yeah. How about um, How about you? What are you thinking about? Like, what is your special anniversary car? Your favorite one? So the first ones that came to mind were along those veins. Um, I know like in 04, they had like the 40th anniversary Mustang, which was basically just as bad as the Centennial cars. Um, mm-hmm. It was like a maroon color and had some stripes and different color wheels. And it was like kind of lackluster, I guess you could say, because it was mm-hmm. it was just an appearance package. So when I thought about it some more, I couldn't really think of any anniversary cars that really stood out to me i kept thinking of like pace car editions or Mm -hmm. just random special editions like you mentioned the king ranch Mm -hmm. um, which became like it started out i think as like a special thing on the super duty trucks and then it kind of expanded it a little bit um Mm -hmm. while we're talking about that a quick thing i remembered is that leather you were talking about supposed to be like saddle leather or baseball glove leather yeah it actually wears differently like a almost like a saddle would Mm -hmm. um how it's like depending on how you touch it and things like that it wears differently than normal leather that's treated and things so that was an interesting thing if you ever spilled liquid on it there was i forget either a special way to treat it or you had to replace it to make it look look right Um, but yeah there was i can't imagine they held up well especially in the types of vehicles that went in they tend to get you know driven hard and used hard and things like that yeah um, but I've come up with three. I kind of went with the good, bad, and, and the really terrible. Um, okay. So I'm going to start off with the the bad. Um, I found a lot of candidates for bad when I did a, a Google search. Um, a mm. lot of the American companies did them, and they weren't that great. Like it was mostly like some embroidery or some some emblems and stuff like that. But the mm. one I'm going to go with, which I think was kind of stupid. Um, was Chrysler made an 82 Imperial, which mm-hmm. is like their two-door, big two-door sedan. It was kind of like the size of like a Thunderbird. Mm-hmm. And it came in a special color. It was called the Frank Sinatra edition. Oh, God. And it came in a special color blue. It had blue velour with the, you know, the button seats oh, that you God, mentioned yeah. a, few, yeah, yeah. a few shows ago. Yeah. And also a bag, a suitcase in the trunk that came with cassettes of Frank Sinatra's that's amazing so like that was it like all you did was you're buying this special color blue car that's and a awesome. bag of frank sinatra tapes that's hilarious i wonder what that upcharge was i don't know but it was too much whatever it was and i bet you people bought it too no it flopped did it yeah wow 
they offered it for like two years from what I uh-huh. read. And um, it was apparently it was pretty lame even wow. back then. So, but it did come with their 8.2 liter V8. Woo. Making 190 horsepower because hello 70s. Jeez. With all the, you know, that was the early days of the emission stuff. And so like their, their big, big block engines were really choked by all the stuff. Do you know what the uh, like the cubic inches were on that? Uh, I can I think I want to say it was like a four fifty five, but I can yeah. Yeah, that would be the seven point seven. I'm mean, I can do the calculation real quick. It's eight point two times uh, sixty one point zero two five. I have this memorized. Yes, I do. Five. It's a <laughs> five hundred cubic inch engine. Oh my god! Can you imagine like what we could do with that type of you know? engine size with today's technology like imagine the torque at that thing was five point well the the last five or ten years of the viper was an 8.4 liter so like 512 cubic inches um and that was a v10 so probably somewhere around 600 horsepower with modern technology but those like it must have had massive pistons to be that size in the v8 oh yeah they were probably like five inch diameter pistons Jeez. What that was the first one. Yeah, that was that was the bad. That was the bad. Uh, okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna brighten things up a bit. Uh, okay. One thing that really stood out to me that I think was a great anniversary car was the 60th anniversary Corvette. I'm not usually a Corvette guy, and mm-hmm. not really like in the muscle or like American performance as much anymore. I tend to veer more U- European, but mm-hmm. the 60th anniversary really stood out to me. So that was the C6. Uh, the 2013. So it's two generations ago. Mm-hmm. And of that generation, I don't know if you remember, but the Z06 was the seven liter V8, the 427. For the Z06 in the, in the C6 generation, they brought back the 427 mm-hmm. uh, Chevy V8. So it was a seven liter V8. Mm-hmm. Well, for the 60th anniversary, they put that in the convertible. And okay. so 60th anniversary Corvette is like, you couldn't get that engine in anything except the Z06, which was a coupe. Mm-hmm. And the 60th anniversary Corvette was a beautiful car. And I was just thinking, can you imagine how that would sound to have the top down and that 427 just rumbling away as you're like cruising down the highway? I think that would be yeah. awesome. Yeah. And so I, I, for me, that's got, that sounds like a great driving experience. And I think that'd be a cool car to own. I think so too. I mean, uh, there's nothing like having, you know, driving down like a, I always picture like, a, you know, the song Hotel California? Mm-hmm. Driving down like a desert road with like Hotel California playing and like dusk, you know, when you have your V8 just like coming out and the exhaust. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't think of anything better than that. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like a, a great car to, to have just as a nice cruiser. Um, yeah. It'd be way more like, it was 500 horsepower engine. So like it would definitely be, I think it's a bit much for that chassis to where it's rear wheel drive and convertible. Mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, you can't really attack the the back roads with it. It's more of a cruiser and it's, mm-hmm. you know, overkill of an engine for that usage. But I think that's, that was just a great, great idea. It kind of goes back to the sixties with the, the C2, like you mentioned, Instead of having the split window coupe, you could have the 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 convertible with the 427, and I, I feel like you know Buzz Armstrong or or one of those some celebrities back then had a 427 Stingray, mm-hmm. 
you know, the C2 generation. So I think that was a cool anniversary addition. Yeah, definitely. I feel like in the movie Apollo 13, if you've ever seen it, have you seen that movie? Mm-hmm. In the beginning, Tom Hanks's character is driving a Corvette. Yep. It's not it's not like that. So I think that was like a popular car back then for like those mm-hmm. like those type of guys. And there's I feel like everybody that went to the moon got Corvettes. I feel like that was a thing then. Yeah, probably. I also think that I feel like Corvettes, I don't know, they're like they're so iconic and they're powerful and, and they're capable. But in my opinion, most people who drive them are like older men. Yeah. For sure. I mean, they definitely have a stigma about them um, to what the stereotype is. Like, yeah. um, you know, a guy in his late 60s through early 80s, and he's driving in the passing lane doing 40 miles an hour, and it's an automatic convertible, mm-hmm. and he's got, you know, white New Balance sneakers on. And yeah, yeah, yeah. there's definitely a stigma about, you know, the stereotypical driver. Yeah. And so... You know, unfortunately, that happens sometimes. Yeah, just because I'm always looking. Just to me, I feel like I'm, I see the same thing. So I always make it a point to see who's driving these cars. And I'll say eight times out of ten, it's an older white guy. Mm-hmm. I don't want to stereotype. I'm just saying from my experience, that's what I see. I've never been a Corvette guy. I don't know. I probably would never get one. Although I do like the new ones with the mid-engine. Mm-hmm. That's it's it's uh. They have my attention for sure. I can't see you ever getting a mid-engine car. Why not? I don't know. I just, I feel like if you get like a sports car or muscle car again, it's going to be like, you know, I think you go back to a Mustang before you do anything else. Maybe. Might be right. So that brings us to my weirdest and stupidest, not stupid. I mean, if you think about the story behind it, it's not stupid, but really off the wall, you would never guess. There was a special edition nissan leaf what so you know their electric car yeah yeah in the uk there was a special edition leaf that for any of the gold medal olympians uh-huh. they got a nissan leaf that was gold plated to keep or just to drive to keep yeah why why would you ever want that <laughs> well that's a whole other question um <laughs> But yeah, they gold plated. So if you can imagine having, you know, how a chrome is, it's reflect, reflective. Yeah. A, a gold plated Nissan Leaf. Was the like, whole thing gold plated, like body and everything? Yeah, the whole thing, except like the wheels were were like normal, but like the all of the body, gold leaf. That makes zero <laughs> sense to me. It's like you went. This is what you've won. Oh yay! Thank you. I think. Yeah. I'd try so. to melt it down for whatever monetary value it has. Yeah, it's definitely an oddball. Like if you're going to gold plate a vehicle, I, first off, I'm not, that's not something that I'm into. I know that sometimes people do that with like Lambos and stuff like that and in Saudi Arabia or whatever. Mm-hmm. But why would you do that to a Nissan Leaf? Yeah. I... Why would anybody buy Nissan Leaf <laughs> anyway? Why do those cars even exist? Um, you know, they're, they're an electric car and they're not the greatest car in the world, but you know, they've been around for like 10 years. And so 10 years ago, the full electric car scene wasn't exactly, you know, swarming with cars to pick from. If I was going to get a commuter car strictly on cost effectiveness, 
I would get a Mitsubishi Mirage, the new ones. Okay. Because I think that they look cool. I mean, they're small and they're tiny and all that stuff, but to me, they look kind of cool. Okay. Got like the LED lights and everything in the tent in the rear. And I would totally buy one as a commuter. I'm, I'm, I'm yet to be sold on the full electric vehicle. So, mm-hmm. what else you got on your mind this week? So, a buddy of mine, I'm not like a huge video gamer, but a buddy of mine, um, who, this guy's like, like totally into video games. And I don't know, I don't think you would like this, but I find it very interesting. It's called, Auto Mechanic 2022. Okay. And have you heard of it? No. It's like a simulator. Okay. Um, so you've I've heard of like, like a manager type game? Yeah. So like you basically like uh, repair vehicles and you have mm-hmm. to like tear it down and it's pretty interesting. Um, and if you have not if you have no idea about cars, it'll it's like it's pretty difficult. Is it an app? No, I, I think it's for um, like PlayStation. Really? Or, or like uh, it might be that I don't know, but I I downloaded it on my PlayStation. Okay. I think it's pretty intense. You should check it out. It's pretty. It's pretty cool. Uh, hmm. You have to like remove cars and like it, and down to like bushings. You know, mm-hmm. it's pretty interesting. Um, and I started playing it. I was playing it today, and um, I'm in the middle right now of like a camshaft job. But uh, sounds really interesting, and I'm looking forward to delving into that a little bit. Another thing I saw this week was you remember the Plymouth Prowler? Yeah. They came with, I believe it was a 3.5 liter V6. Mm-hmm. Great looking car, kind of weird looking. I wouldn't want to get into it again. I wouldn't want to crash that thing head on because it'd probably fall apart. But I saw someone who put like a big bottom V8 into one. And the, and the, the, uh, the title was like, you know, writing one of the biggest wrongs in, you know, car history. I don't know where you fit that in a thing. Cause it like, well, I feel, I feel like I remember pictures of that V6 being shoehorned in there. I don't know where you put a big block. Like I could see putting was. in like, you know, just, just an LS1, I think would be, Although it'd be a Chrysler, so just put in like, you know, an old, um, I don't think a Hemi would fit. It'd have to be something like their old Magnum engines, where it was probably like a two or three valve engine from the 2000. Like that would be a good engine It's because it's period correct. So you got to put in an old Magnum engine from a truck. So like 5.7 or whatever size they were. I forget exactly what it was, but um, it was still pretty cool that they were doing that. I think it should have had a bigger engine in it. Or maybe like what Ford did with the, the SHO with the Taurus that had a little tiny V8 in it. Right. It was like a, a 3.4 liter V8. Like they should have done something like that where it sounded badass. You know what I mean? Because you have like eight cylinders, but I don't know. I don't know what the power was for that 3.5, but I don't know. I just, um, underwhelming to me. I think yeah. like the Prowler could have done better. I think they would have sold more if they had come with like a V8 and realistically they probably could have because, so I don't know if you know, but that car and well, maybe I might be wrong. I'm not going to say that. Um, the Chrysler Crossfire mm-hmm. was is share. It was built by Mercedes. It was actually mm-hmm. the SLK uh, model. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine if I were to guess that the Prowler probably shares that same chassis as well. 
or like parts of it. Like the engine is, I think they're 3.5 liter Magnum V6, which probably just means it's like a three valve or something or overhead cam because mm-hmm. that's what those what companies were making back then. But if it did share stuff with Mercedes, they have the SLK 55 with the five liter, five liter V8. So they probably could have made it work. Um, but that involves putting a Mercedes into a Chrysler that, you know, people that buy Chryslers don't necessarily want to maintain them like Mercedes. So I feel like that was probably just a really economical way to go because it really it's just made for cruising anyway. I don't think anybody was really buying one to do anything sure. uh, sporty with it, but yeah, it makes sense. I think I definitely think it would have sold better if it had a V8 just because it had a stigma that, Oh, well, it could have been such a better car. Yeah. Um, so it was definitely a missed opportunity that they could have at least probably sold twice as many. I mean, it kind of looks like a hot rod to me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Why not have like a hot rod engine in it? Um, the other thing was like speaking to your point, um, I was at a car show maybe about a year ago, and I'm pretty sure it was an AMG cross. It was like a Crossfire SRT6. Yep. And I think that has like an AMG motor in it. Yep. And the guy, the owner was like, oh, I never bring this thing to Chrysler because like they never know how to fix it, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I, I only bring it to Mercedes and all this stuff. And that thing, talk about shoehorned in, that thing was shoehorned in there. Yeah. I never really I, loved those cars, though. Like, I don't like I did. the design of them. You did? Yeah. Wow. Uh, more so the back, like the way the hatch went, and it was Ooh. almost like a boat tail. I thought, I mean, the styling yeah. in the front was okay, but mm. I thought, like, from the firewall back, I thought it was a great-looking car. I, I used to work with somebody. Her husband had a normal crossfire, mm. and... She used to tell me she used to complain about the oil changes on those because since it was a Mer- even the basic one was a Mercedes engine, mm-hmm. um, it was like a t- fourteen quart oil change. What? Yeah, and so like uh, fifteen years ago, she was saying the oil changes were like one hundred twenty bucks or something no, like that. Uh, she was complaining about it. it. Oh my god! So yeah, I think that was a probably a sticker shock to people when they after they, you know, they bought it and then the first couple times they serviced it, I think they probably flipped out. Why so much oil? I mean, there weren't that big motors. Just for cooling requirements or whatever. See, when's the last time you saw one in the wild? Not for a while. I was thinking about them recently, actually. I don't know why, but I I probably haven't seen a crossfire in five or ten years. If I were to guess, it's been a while. They probably haven't. They probably didn't sell too many of them. I imagine. No, definitely not. Especially because they were really compact and yeah. horrible blind spots and stuff like that. So. Expensive. Were they expensive to purchase? Probably, I believe they were. Yeah. I think of the SSR now that I'm thinking about the Prowler. Remember those things? I never understood the point of that. No, silly. Like, it's. I feel like it was like a half-ass job, you know. And it didn't even like the. It didn't even look good. Like it should have looked more aggressive, but it was like round and bubbly. And it was like you couldn't do anything with it. Mm -hmm. It was not utility. Yeah, you couldn't really. Like I think it had a. I don't think they had V8s in them either. No, it did. It did? Okay, well, that's different mm. though. I think it was a 5.3 liter or something like that. It was one of the smaller Chevy V8s. Still pretty cool. Would you consider the uh, Cobra R from, what was that? 2000? Yeah. Would you consider that a uh, anniversary vehicle? Probably not, but definitely a, a special edition. 
Yeah, it was a special edition. Um, I always liked them because they were like track focused, and mm. so they. I liked the the dome hood and the and the the big wing. Like it didn't look like like a tuner style wing. It looked looked more like functional and mm-hmm. and you know it was a track car. And then you could get the. I feel like there was a Cobra RR or something. Like it was even more gutted. But yeah, those really? were cool. I've always liked those. Yeah, they're pretty. They were pretty excited. I don't even think they had radios in them. They came with. They made a Cobra R in '94 as well. Really? Yeah. So that was the first year when they went to the SN95 style. Mm-hmm. Um, and they still had the five liter, and then it, they, you know, they carried over the Cobra engine from the from the Fox bodies. Um, and I think the Cobra. I think that generation Cobra R had like special wheels, and well, they all did have special wheels, but. Yeah, there were so there weren't many of the 2000 Cobra R's made. I feel like there were less of the 94 mm-hmm. Cobra R's made. They were like almost unheard of. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever heard of them. Yeah. And anyone that so, bought one, like no one ever tracked them. They just put them right into like storage. After we're done here, I'm going to start looking at the shoes that I think the, the newer ones, the 2000s, had a 5.4, right? I think you're right. Yeah. And they had a, like a cool, um, single plenum, uh, intake. It was really big. And that's why they had the dome hood is because the engine was taller and they also had a special intake manifold, um, that stood, it was almost like a Ram air style. Um, except it didn't have like ducts in the hood. It just had this big old drag strip or drag racing, not drag racing, but like, it's hard to explain. It's almost like a bread box that somebody put on top of the engine. Yeah, yeah, it definitely looks that way. So I finally met the guy that has a Huracan that lives near me. You met him? Yeah. How? So the other, the other day, we went to a township meeting. Okay. And, oh, yeah. Um, when I was going home, I passed the township building. I had to pick her up and get some food real quick. And he was he was there already. Um, so then, you know, we went to the meeting. And then afterwards, uh, we were talking to the one guy there. And I said, he was like a lawyer. And I'm like, not to be like rude, but like, is that your your Huracan out there? He's like, no, it's a friend of mine's. He's like, go over and ask him or tell him that you heard that I beat him. So I don't know what he has, but I went out and talked to him then and to the guy. And he's really cool. He owns a, a detailing company uh, a couple miles away. And, um, I, you know, so I'm like, hey, I see you around. And I just wanted to say I'm glad to see you're driving the car because everybody usually just, you know, has a things parked all the time mm-hmm. so it's good to see him out driven i think i might know who you're talking about i think i think he goes to a lot of car shows around like this area he definitely does yeah he um i mean because he uses the car as like a billboard for his business is his name um, kevin yeah yeah I nice so seems like a cool guy yeah um, he did confirm that the car that he was following the other week that I mentioned, uh-huh. it was a Rolls Royce Dawn. His wife was driving it. It was a client's car. They were returning it to them. Wow. And like I said, I was, I said, no, most people would notice the Huracan. I was distracted by the Rolls Royce convertible that you like never see. Uh, I said it was a Dawn, right? He's like, yeah. He was, so um, I thought that was pretty cool. But, what are we doing wrong? Why can't we like, do that? <laughs> that was pretty cool. It's nice to yeah. um, meet him and, uh, Probably seen. I saw him again today on the way home too. So that's awesome. He's definitely out and about with it a lot. 
Yeah, he's always – I see him a lot. He's always at cars and coffees and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They go to Just Joe's all the time. It was probably easy for – because I think he just goes there and parks it and then just walks away or whatever. Yeah. Um, or I think I remember seeing a tent there one time with, like, an orange Lamborghini sitting in front of it. So that he might have had that tent. But I don't remember. That was – was it last year? Yeah, it was last year that I went there. I think that would be a hard – like, a hard – job to do like day in and day out though yeah but detailing he he doesn't do that well i know he i know i'm sure he doesn't definitely hard on the body like i know when i detail my own cars like it takes a lot out of me and when i'm done i'm like achy and like for the next two or three days i feel like i was working (laughs) out um but i also don't have like a buffer so that that helps a lot but yeah it's Mm -hmm. definitely you know, it's a uh, it's hard work to do it well, especially if you're climbing in and out of like small cars, or you know, doing really big cars. It's definitely something that you know. I I've thought about doing that before. I'm like, I don't actually want to do that. That sounds like yeah. it would, you know, not be fun. Yeah, but well, the pride mean- the pride in your work is there though, because when you, when you see the car done and see where it came from, I think that'd be really fulfilling. I think so too, but like you're talking about like high end stuff and getting in and getting into those things are even more difficult than like your average everyday car. It can be. And not only that is, you know, exotic car owners, when they pay to have a car detailed, they also expect hundred percent perfection. So you got to go over it with a fine tooth comb. Mm-hmm. Something else that came up uh this week for me which is totally random i was looking at 80s cars and like that technology back then with like dashboards and instrument clusters mm-hmm. and how like retro it looks now but back then it would be like super like cutting edge mm-hmm. with like the you know the digital displays and you know no analog anything and it looked like you'd be like, sitting in front of like an Atari, whatever. And I was like, wow, like, like I try to put myself back in that in that place. And how to people back then it was probably like, amazing. It's like, oh, this is great. You know, like we're cutting edge, like we're ahead of our time. And if you look at that technology now, it's like, wow, that's so like, super 80s. From what I remember, people actually didn't like the digital day- gauges, like they thought they would. And then mm-hmm. a couple of cars came out with them and mm-hmm. people actually ended up hating them. So that's why it didn't stick. And they only started coming back like 10 years ago. Well, look at us now, though. I mean, we have digital everything now. Yeah. I mean, a lot of things have changed because they were LCDs back then. And so if you imagine your microwave screen or like a mm-hmm. calculator screen, that's mm-hmm. what they looked like was, mm-hmm. you know, or the tachometer would be just these blocks that light up yeah. as yeah. you accelerate. Yeah. So. They had definitely very different technology 30 yeah. years ago. I find it interesting. I don't know. I don't know if I would like that or not. I don't know if I would want to have one of those cars now and have the instrument cluster die because, like, how are you going to – you'd almost have to get one from a newer car that doesn't have it or something. Yeah, I would imagine there's no way to replace that. Yeah. Unless you find, like, a used one somewhere that's been sitting in the garage for however many years. Yeah. Or somebody that knows how to repair like LCDs or something like that, some kind yeah. of electrical um, repair person or something. It would still probably cost you an arm and leg too. Oh, for sure. Oh no, I like my mixture. I have a little bit of both. 
I've got my analog gauges, which I love. You know that. And then in the middle, I keep my digital speedometer going. So I'm happy. Mm-hmm. I don't need like virtual cockpit on any of that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> keep me with the old school stuff. <laughs> I have my car has uh, the tack in the center, mm-hmm. and it's got in the center of that um, a small digital display, and it has a speed on there, and you can display the radio and like distance to empty and stuff like that. Um, I actually wish it didn't have the speedometer in there because I just look at that, even though it has a, a dial speedometer. But at the same time, it's there because the dial speedometer goes up to 175. And so all the numbers are really small. Mm-hmm. So it'd be hard to know your speed anyway, but it's also, also off to the side. So, I mean, I guess it makes for it to be easier, but. Still ahead well, of time, I think, for that time. Yeah. So well, we, we need to call it a night. Uh, tonight went quickly. We so will we talk to you guys next time and let us know what your favorite anniversary or special edition car was. Thanks again for joining us. You can reach us by email at windingroadspodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram at windingroadspodcast. We look forward to hearing from you. We would love it if you could rate and review us on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, enjoy the drive.